As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. The Adams, Hogan Johns. And just like that, Mitch Trubisky is officially back. Just like that. Yeah. Uh, we all knew it was coming. Well, yeah, the other guy can't practice. But he disappeared for months. No one, knew, no one knew where he was. Who, Mitch? And now he's back. He's back. Better than ever. We'll, we'll see about that. He's 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 the best Mitch Trubisky he's ever been. All he needed was seven weeks sitting behind Nick Foles. I think. Is that how many weeks it was? I think it was. Uh, welcome in. Hogan John's here with you. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. They're a little bit delayed here on the preview episode for the week because of the holiday, but also because of... Uh, the anticipation that we were all hoping for this week of hearing from Mitch Trubisky. I think we've known for days now that he's starting this football game. Matt Nagy did make it official, though, today that Mitch Trubisky will start against the Packers. Uh, but we heard from Mitch, and it was very interesting. So we're going to let you hear from Mitch as well and, and react to it. Welcome in. You can follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. And we have uh, columns and reaction and all kinds of coverage this week, uh, both Myself at NBCSportsChicago.com, and of course, Johns and Kevin Fishbane, the crew at TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you can go sign up if you uh, still need to do that. $1 per month. That's pretty good. Black Friday deal. Get on it. Get on it. Um, I, for one, make fun of me if you want. I'm excited about Mitch Trubisky starting in Green Bay because I was sick and tired of watching Nick Foles. With all due respect to Nick Foles. Like, that offense was just bad, man. It, it just... It's it hard to watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't want to watch it again. 
So it's 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 fun. It's uh, we'll call it fun. Yes, it is fun to have a different storyline, uh, a different vibe going into this game. Trubisky, we'll, we'll hear from him in a little, in a little bit. I, I, I like there was a little anger, you know, an edge mm-hmm. there. It's good. It's different. They don't want to watch Nick Foles again. With all due respect to Nick Foles, did not want did not want to watch an offense run with him at quarterback again. No, I'm sure uh, NBC hey, was, I, NBC was probably like you know calling Hallis Hall. Hey, yeah, can, can you please start, bitch? What? Come <laughs> Just on, do it, do it. We, we we can't have another game where your offense scores a field goal. Okay. Put put ten back in. Can you do that? Can you do that, please? Okay. All right. Thanks. Appreciate Give us it. something to talk about, please. <laughs> Nobody's happier than than Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth. Oh, they're not calling this game. I, was I forgot say, about. Come that. on, this is come on. This is your alley. Yeah. No. Well. Oh. Oh. Sorry, I uh, forgot that for the first time, like ever, Al Michaels and yeah, you effed up, man. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Mike Tirico and uh, Tony Dungy. And Catherine Tappen. There you go. Who are calling this game. Who I believe, as we're recording this, are calling it a Notre Dame game. Or is that game not, not on NBC? I don't know. That's usually the NBC crew. And uh, they're calling this one because the uh, normal crew has been bounced around from Thursday to Sunday, now to Tuesday. That whole Steelers-Ravens debacle. Yeah, it's 2020 NFL right there. Anyway, um... Good stuff. I thought Mitch Trubisky had an edge to him. I think, uh, look, what does he have to lose? He's got six more weeks here. Probably going to be somewhere else. And uh, it was really interesting. And uh, this is uh, what I wrote about today, too. It, just his time is the backup. I think it's very interesting to go through and hear what he had to say about all that. So we'll start the podcast off that way. Before we get into the Packers preview, we'll have Matt Schneidman on, our guy from uh, Green Bay, covers the Packers for the athletic up there. We'll get the Packers side of things and uh, make our picks and all that. But this is big news with Mitch Trubisky. And correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time he's talked since he got benched. Correct. Which he, to his credit, talked after that game. Um, And I thought handled himself very well after getting benched, but he has not talked since. And uh, here he was today talking to the media at House Hall. Mitch, how much hope did you have that you would get another chance like this? Yeah, I was uh, just continuing to prepare as if I was a starter, um, go through my weekly weekly practice routine and continue to watch film and all that and just trying to find ways to continue to get better at my craft and hoping for another opportunity. So I'm excited for this week, and uh, we got a big opportunity this weekend. Dan Wiederer. Hey, Mitch, how's it going? Good, how you doing? Good. Uh, Matt's made uh, repeated references to sort of the early stretches of the demotion being a little bit challenging, a little bit frustrating for you. I wondered, in, in your words, those first couple weeks, kind of what those were like for you and, and how you how you worked through that initial uh, emotion, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, more than anything, I was caught off guard. Um, I think in the beginning of the season, I was just starting to build some momentum. Um, and then it, it kind of felt like a blind side and um, then I decided to embrace a new role in the first couple of days. It, it sucked being in that role, but, um, I, I was trying to just continue to keep perspective and think long-term and, um, uh, I want to, I want to play in this league a long time. And if I want to do that, there's things I just need to continue to get better at. 
And, uh, and at that point, I just changed my mindset to embrace practice. Um, I was doing my job in the scout team, just trying to give a defense a good look, taking a lot of pride into that and preparing them for the weeks. And defense has been playing really, really well. And uh, I felt like I was a part of that being on scout team and, and just leading those guys in the scout team and giving them good looks. Um, and, and I did feel during those weeks, I, I got better as a player, just testing different throws, leading the offense and, and, and seeing a lot of good looks from our defense and going against them. So um, it was tough. It, it was an adjustment, but I was always hopeful for another opportunity. Kevin Fishbane. Hey, Mitch, uh, you obviously have faced Mike Patton's defense a few times. What are kind of some of the things, like the hallmarks of that defense, some things you're kind of expecting to see on Sunday night? Yeah, they, they've thrown a lot of different stuff at us over the years, and that's kind of what we're expecting. To They're going to try to confuse us in the back back end, get after us up front with, with, their, with their rush, and um, just trying to confuse the quarterback and us on offense. Uh, play predominantly zone and and make us find those windows and, and, and throw on time and um, just be um, very um, disciplined in our route running and we got to be on the same page so we're expecting to see a lot of different looks uh, we got a lot of respect for this defense and coach Petten uh, and what he's done over the years but uh, when we get our opportunities we got to take advantage and, and find ways to score points. Dion Miller. Mitch, um, welcome back. After being blindsided by the benching, what does this opportunity on this stage, trying to help this team break a losing streak, what does that mean to you? Yeah, it's a, it's a big opportunity. And I think more than anything, what means most to me is just have an opportunity to come back and be there for my guys when uh, we just need to find a way to win and however that is. So um, coming back, uh, it's obviously a big rivalry game. And then us being in the situation we are now, we, we need to – um, we need to find a way to get in the win column. So um, I thought we had a great week of practice, um, having that bye week and just having a chance to relax and get away from a little bit. I think it allowed us to come back, um, readjust our mindset and, and attack practice and attack this week and find a way to get back on track as a team. So um, being back in the role that I am and, and being a leader on this team, it, it means a lot to me to have this opportunity to, to go into battle with my guys this weekend. So I'm looking forward to it. Pat Finley. Hey Mitch, I, I know you've been taking all the starter snaps this week, but do you care that the decision, at least publicly, wasn't made until Friday afternoon in terms of being declarative he is our starter? No, I don't care. I don't care. I don't pay attention to the public. Adam Johns. Hey Mitch, with uh, Bill Lazor being your play caller for, for the first time, what's that been like working with him? this week in practice and, and how would you characterize maybe your input in the plans in terms of working with them? Yeah, it's been good. Um, and, and that's been the main thing, just coming back. I just want to make sure that these coaches are hearing what I have to say and, and, and um, taking the factor that the input that I want to have in this offense coming back and just running things that I'm comfortable with and f things that I feel like we'll have success this weekend. So just get on the same page as Coach Laser. Uh, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to working with him. It's been great all week, just communicating, uh, being on the same page, working through things. And um, I feel like he's going to put us in a good spot to be successful this weekend. And it's up to us as players to go out there and execute. So whatever the call is, um, all 11 guys believing in it, playing as one, uh, will be most important, but uh, we, we've had a good relationship over this last week, just uh, putting a plan together, and uh, it's up to us to go out there and make it work. Colleen Kane. Hey, Mitch, what was the recovery like from your shoulder injury, both physically and maybe emotionally too? And was there a point in time where you were worried that it was more serious than it turned out to be? 
Um, yeah, there, there, there was a point. Um, just the way that my body has responded from the last couple shoulder things. Um, the, the first day I was worried, but then the next couple of days, I had a good feeling that I could come back pretty quickly from it. And it was just taking it one day at a time. Um, and, and, and really you, you hate to hear it as a player, but sometimes you just need time to assess where your shoulder's at and, and, and how your body can respond from something like that. So day by day, it got stronger. The mobility just started to come back. And then the opinions that I got, they said, if I could get it strong enough, then, um, you wouldn't have to worry about anything. And I'm, I'm at a point to where it's back to 100% and I'm feeling good. Had a great week of practice throwing, uh, no soreness, no pain. And it, and it feels like normal. So yeah, I'm feeling good about that. And the, the recovery process was just taking it one day at a time and um, just seeing how over time it responded and it came back pretty quickly. So I was happy about that. JJ. Mitch, kind of along those lines, was there a moment in that, you know, first day where you were worried that it was severe, that you were worried that it was going to impact you next spring when you're a free agent? And was there any anger of like being put in that situation in the first place to go out there and run that play? Um, there, there was a little bit, there was, I wouldn't say anger. I would say more concerned if anything, because I mean, anytime you have an injury and especially for quarterback, it being your right shoulder, you start to think longer down the lines. Like I just got to be able to throw to do my job and I can go out there run around and catch the ball. But if I can't throw, I'm not, I can't, I can't go out there and do my job for my team. Um, so I was concerned about that. As far as going out there and running a play, I was excited. I wasn't angry. Um, I felt like that play could have could have could have worked even better and got even more yards. It was just unfortunate that I landed the way I did and and landed on my shoulder. Um, but uh, we're here now. It's over with. The shoulder's good, ready to go, and um, I'm excited to where we're at. Couple more for Mitch, Mark Grody. Hey, Mitch, have you been able to, to figure out uh, Bears fans or maybe just fans in general? Because there was a time maybe when people wanted you replaced as quarterback. And now I, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but people have been calling for you over the last three weeks and they're ecstatic that you're back. What do you think when you hear that? I, I, try, I, I haven't been paying attention to it and I really focus on trying not to pay attention to it. So I've been here for four years. Um, uh, I'm still trying to figure it out. So, but I got nothing, uh, but love in my heart for the fans, the city of Chicago. And, um, I think if, if, if on offense, defense and special teams, if we can match the fans passion for this team, then I think that's how you go out there and play with a lot of will and passion and put a good product on, on the field that you're proud of. Cause that's what we want. We want the fans to be proud. And that's all I'm trying to do. Play football, um, this weekend with a great, great opportunity. So Adam Hogue. Hey Mitch, Matt talked a lot about your growth uh, during this time period where you where you've been the backup. Uh, in what ways uh, do you feel like it's it's helped you uh, become a better quarterback? Um, really, just uh, it re reminded me of college a little bit when I was back in that role as a backup. Just like when you're not in the starter role, people aren't paying attention to you as much. They're not catering to um, how they want you to get better or evolve. So there was a little bit where I felt like I was on my own and I was like, I got to find ways to continue to push myself and get better. And um, I think I actually thrive in an environment like that. Cause you, you just, it, it's back to where do you, where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do with your career? And, 
I was just finding ways to push myself on my own, um, whether it's get up earlier or um, doing more recovery, working out more in the weight room or studying more film, whatever it is, continue to find ways to get better. And uh, after the first couple of days, I really embraced scout team and I was testing throws that I wouldn't normally test uh, if I was taking um, the starter reps. And I felt like that was a lot of fun, especially going against our defense, who is obviously very, very good and talented. And, and it's tough to complete balls on them. But when you go out to practice and you're completing a lot of balls and, and making a lot of tough throws, I feel like I was progressing as a player. So um, I was just in a space where um, I wanted to push myself, continue to get better. And I feel like that's where I uh, have, have grown over this period of time. Thanks for your time, Mitch. Thank you, guys. All right, John. So wrapping it up there with what he learned, and I thought there was some interesting comments about you know, his time on the scout team and sort of feeling ignored even as the backup quarterback, which uh, can, can kind of happen. Uh, that was part of the very interesting stuff I, I thought he had to say to the media today. What, what's your biggest takeaway? Well, that stood out to me because, I mean, just think about it. Like, this guy was in a quarterback competition that consumed everything at Hallis Hall. There was a ton of interest in him. A ton of interest in him in week one, week two, week three, and then See ya. Well, hi, Tyler Bray. You could come in here too. It's just, it's it's confusing in a sense. Um, I'm sure some of those emotions are probably still a little bit real for him, even heading into this week. He's carrying a lot into this game. Absolutely, he is. And I don't know how much of, I don't think you're concerned. I don't think he's concerned um, about the shoulder. I don't think people should be concerned with him not running. Um, I found what he said uh, to my question about working with Bill Lazor, uh, pretty interesting. He seemed to be pretty firm on his input or like what he wanted to give the coaches to work with. So it's good to hear an edge, uh, some openness from Trubisky. It's been a while, you know, so kudos to him. Well, look, the headline was certainly uh, more towards the middle of in the first half of what you just heard from Mitch Trubisky. But uh, when he was asked about the emotions of getting benched, and he said, more than anything, I was caught off guard. I think at the beginning of the season, I was just starting to build some momentum. And then it kind of felt like a blindside. And then I had to embrace a new role. The first couple of days, it sucked being in that role. But I was trying to just continue to keep perspective and think long term. I want to play in this league a long time. And if I want to do that, there's things that I just need to continue to get better at. So I think that was... a. I would always hear Mitch like that. I mean, that's a very candid answer uh, that still also shows a pretty good attitude handling it. Of course he's pissed. Of course he's not happy. And I think he's has a right to feel caught off guard and blindsided. With this stuff we talked about, was it last week or earlier this week? I can't remember. But the stuff you brought up specifically about how he played against the Giants and how he made plays with his legs and with his arm in that game and uh, really was a playmaker at times. And then, the, you know, a couple bad throws against Atlanta and he's out of there. Just like that. I, 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 I would have felt blindsided too. I like when... like. It's good that he was candid. I like that he used the words caught off guard. I like that he used the word blindside. I mean, that's a strong couple words to use when talking about anything. Like, even when he's talking about what he was telling Bill Lazor, I'm like, I'm telling these coaches what I want. Like, that. that's good. 
I'm glad he's taking things into his own hands because this could be the only game. Um, we, when we talked to Matt Nagy today, because we know that door is firmly planted open for Nick Foles to return. Matt Nagy's not shutting it, no matter how bad Nick Foles was playing. They made their decision and wanted to live with it. Can we can we touch on that, though? Um, I, I think this has been a very strategic... You, you say the door is open for Nick Foles. I Absolutely. also I also think the door is wide open for Mitch to keep the job. I I don't see any scenario that Nick Foles starts against the Lions if Mitch plays well Sunday. No, night. of course he's got to play well. But they've they've just eh, look they've known all week Nick Foles wasn't going to play. I'll tell you they've known since Monday. Yeah, I mean, well, this is the the yeah, this is the direction they went in, the way practice was structured this week, and you you don't if you know a guy's not going to play, you don't attack your practices keeping the door open to either one. The players aren't stupid; they know what's going on, and they need to prepare with the quarterback who's going to play. So, what's happened from a public relations standpoint is just being very delicate about how this is being presented. This makes it look like Foles wasn't benched. Now, if Foles can't play, then, you know, it's a health thing. But, I don't know if you caught this at the end, I asked Nagy, who's your backup? And the door wasn't closed to Nick Foles being able to be the backup. Now, we all know it's going to be Tyler Bray. But yes, I know what you're saying. I, I, I think it's, the way I view it is, Mitch Trubisky did not lose his starting job because of injury. But Nick Foles could lose his starting job because of injury. But in order for that to happen, Mitch has to play well. But you know and I know, there is a liking to Nick Foles that is like can't be fully understood. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? You know what well, I'm getting at. Yes. But there's also... Um, How do I put this? I mean, if you... The injury's convenient right now. Extremely convenient. I called it cover in a column two days ago. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not convinced. Let's say Nick Foles doesn't get sacked by Afadio Denebo at the end of that game. Doesn't doesn't take that hit and isn't hurt. Maybe I just like to think this, but I, I think Mitch would be playing Sunday night no matter what. I think that that move was coming. I don't know how they could have come out of the bye week, looked at everything that's happened the last few weeks, and said, nope, we're still going with Nick Foles. I guess we'll never know the answers to that question. Um, I just I think that the, right now the injury is convenient that they can make it not look like a benching. And I think it's at least 40% of benching. I think the the conversation will shift starting Sunday. Just at like how well does Mitch have to play in order to keep that spot? Because we saw how short that leash was when the team was healthy. Now it's just think about how curious, old Apar is though right now. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. Like he oh, know. doesn't. Yeah. Even if he goes back to just being the. Mitch that we've seen for most yeah. of the time. And, and, and there's been a change in tone from Nagy, and I understand that because everything has to be on the table. That's why he gave up play calling. But he's been pretty defiant, too, in his stance about sticking with Foles not too long ago. Now he's changed that tune again, but... Yeah. 
Well, anyway, um, some of the other stuff you heard from Mitch in there, you could tell um, wasn't happy game bench, which, of course, he shouldn't be, but caught off guard, blindsided. Then he has to sort of embrace being part of the scout team, which he does. Um, he said that allowed him to try some things that he wouldn't normally do because, um, you know, when you're running scout team, you don't necessarily have to... Um, they're not watching you to make every correct decision. No. <laughs> like, like when you're the starting quarterback. And, and so he's tried some things. Um, he also gets hurt in the middle of all that. Has to go get a second opinion on his injured shoulder. He admits that he was worried it could be uh, more of a long-term thing. And that question that was asked was specifically about, hey, how you're probably going to be a free agent and how that might impact it. Um, he admitted he was concerned. So... And he's he should he he has it's it's very obvious a part of his brain is thinking about beyond these next six games, which is completely fair for anybody in any job who's might be moving on to a different place, right? Um, so it's just I thought it was very interesting to hear him talk that way, which is understandable and. But also, he knows that this is another big opportunity for him. You know, he plays well, keeps the job. That's only going to help him. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a big game for Matt Nagy and his staff, too, as well. Their coaching prowess, their ability to adjust back to Trubisky deserves as much scrutiny as what Trubisky does throughout the game. It's kind of a lose-a-lose for Nagy, a little bit. I mean, you... If things don't get better, then I, the narrative continues. That doesn't really matter who's the quarterback. The offense is broken. If Mitch plays really well and the Bears go on to win a huge... I mean, first of all, that's great for for Matt Nagy. If they if he, if he they come out of any type of victory in Green Bay, that's... He better a, celebrate it, yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. But if Mitch plays well, that... Makes it kind of look like you made the wrong quarterback move for a while, yeah, or should have gone oh back to him in the past. Uh, th- but these are the types of things that happen when you're not winning games. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say save that thought because one of the big questions I have for you, my friend, is exactly on this. Yes, yes, I know. Um, any other anything else from Mitch's conversation with us? No, no. I, again, I think it's gonna be. It's something different to cover as opposed to the seven starts we saw with Nick Foles, especially over the last four where it was not good. I mean, the play calling change was something, but that didn't go well. So, no. Enjoy the return of Mitch Trubisky, everybody. But maybe Bill Lazor, maybe Mitch has just always needed Bill Lazor. <laughs> <laughs> eh, we'll see. <laughs> probably not, as Vic Fangio would say, right? Um, all right. Take a quick time out. We'll come back. We'll talk to Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers for the Athletic. Get the uh, Green Bay side of things. It is Bears Packers week. Should be a fun game. Definitely, as Johnsy's saying, more intrigue with Mitchell Trubisky in there. Uh, and I think, man, what a world we live in. Everybody, not everybody, most people are excited <laughs> that Mitch is back in there at quarterback. Not sure we uh, would have expected that back in August, but hey, here the Bears are. And what a story it would be if they go into Green Bay with Mitch Trubisky and win. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, well, let's get into this game and this matchup. It's still Bears-Packers. It's, you know, it's hopefully going to still be fun if the Bears can move the ball at all. Uh, it's been kind of painful watching that offense, as everybody listening knows. But uh, we bring in Matt Schneidman. You've heard him on the podcast before. Does a great job covering the Packers for the Athletic and uh, is going to give us the Green Bay side of things. What's going on, Matt? How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure to speak with you fellas. Are you ready for the Mitchell Trubisky return, revenge game, whatever you want to call it, experience? Listen, I've missed it. When I've been watching the Bears every week. I see Nick Foles, you know, he, he's maybe a more consistent guy, but you never know what you're going to get with Trubisky. There's nothing better than the Smiths chasing after Mitch Trubisky in prime time. Yeah, I uh, don't know if Bears fans would agree, but um, I, I know that we're, I, I do think that Chicago is ready for this change to happen and go back to Mitch, you know, the, the thing is, is, uh, Nick Foles is supposed to be consistent. You know, the part of what we've been talking about here is the things that they sold Nick Foles on. He really hasn't been uh, this year, and not all of it's his fault. The offensive line's a mess, and all that. But I do think uh, that it, things can go wrong with Mitch, certainly. But the ceiling's higher. There's also a chance that for the first time in a few weeks, that this offense might actually be able to do something. And uh, that brings us to the Packers' defense because I know that. Um, just talking to some of my family and friends that live in Wisconsin, there there seems to be some anxiety with this defense, which at times I guess has been not so good, but obviously the Packers are still winning tons of games. Yeah, the interesting thing with this defense is they've played all the old heads at quarterback. They've played Brady and Rivers and Ryan and Breeze and, and Stafford, and the thing is they haven't forced any of those guys outside the pocket. The strength of this Packers defense last year, as you guys know, was their pass rush. And, and Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, and to a lesser extent, Rashawn Gary and Kyler Fackrell last year, really got pressure on the quarterback. Zadarius led the NFL in pressures last year. Preston wasn't far behind. And this year, they're not forcing quarterbacks that can't move outside the pocket. So if they're facing a mobile quarterback in Trubisky, or however mobile he, he will be come Sunday night, I don't know how much pressure they're going to get. And Preston Smith is playing terribly, to put it quite succinctly, this year. Um, and, you know, I wrote a story today. Rashawn Gary, their 2019 first-round pick, need, needs to jump him on the depth chart, even though he's making about probably, you know, $15 million less per year than him. And, and Zadarius Smith isn't pressuring the quarterback nearly as much. So that's what I'm looking for from this Packers defense. Against maybe the most mobile quarterback they face this season, can they finally get a pass rush and make him uncomfortable? Because what their defense was, was built off of last year has really not shown up this year. So Preston Smith has one and a half sacks. Yes. Right? Like, what is going on? It's when you pay that much money to a guy who had, what, 12 and a half, 13 sacks last year? Is, is it him? Is it injury? Is it scheme? Is it what the, the opposition is doing when there's that, you know, stark of a drop off? Like, What's going on with their big free agent signing from a year ago? 
Yeah, so I'll start with Zedarius. And Zedarius still is fifth in the league with eight sacks, but Mike Smith, the OLB's coach, really doesn't give a damn about sacks. He's like, I just want the pressures, the pressures, the pressures. And Zedarius isn't, he's still pressuring the QB, but not as well as he did last year with Preston. Through 10 games last year, he had 38 pressures and I believe seven or eight sacks. This year, he has 15 pressures and those one and a half or two sacks, whatever you want to call it. His pressure rate is down almost 13% through 10 games. And Mike Smith said the other day, he's trying to finesse guys. You know, he's 6'5", 240, and the past couple offensive tackles he's faced are guys that stand straight up, drop back, and, you know, power is what wears him down. And, and he says Preston's using way too much finesse. And, it's get, and Mike Smith said this. I'm not just saying this. You know, he said it's getting in Preston's head that he's not, not winning reps, not, not pressuring the quarterback, and he's getting frustrated with himself. He just needs to get back to power. And Rashawn Gary is really the only one who's seen an uptick in his production, uh, the second-year guy out of Michigan who's only 22 years old. So Preston, you know, they signed him to the four-year deal worth $52 million. But right now, to be honest with you, it looks like he could be a cap casualty this offseason, would free up $8 million in cap space, unless he can really turn things around here starting Sunday night. Well, what's interesting is that, uh, first of all, it's weird that it's almost December and these two teams haven't played each other yet. But last year, of course, in that opener at Soldier Field, uh, which the Packers defensive back was it again? He made the comment that they wanted Mitch to play quarterback. Tremont Williams. That's right. So, you know, the idea was to keep him in the pocket, make him be a, a pocket passer, go through his reads, and make him be a quarterback, and uh, they didn't think Mitch could do it, and he kind of proved them right. <laughs> so I don't know if necessarily they got to get the sacks in this game. I, w- I just wonder if, if that's going to be the, the same type of approach because Mitch has yet to prove since that, you know, those games last year, that, that that's, uh, that's really the way to beat them. And you guys know where the weakness of this Packers defense is. It's in the linebacking core. And those short dump-offs to David Montgomery or formerly Tariq Cohen and the short slants to Allen Robinson or Anthony Miller or Mooney or whatever is where this Packers defense is at its worst. I mean, when healthy, Jair Alexander and Kevin King are one of the best young corner duos in the league. Jair, you know, you can make a case he's been the best corner in the league. Nobody's really even throwing at him this year. Um, and then Amos, and you guys obviously know Adrian Amos, he's been playing pretty well this year, um, and Darnell Savage. So their secondary is, is still pretty good, but where you attack this defense is those short dump-offs. So if Mitch is going to create with his arm, it's a lot of that intermediate stuff that I think you know could work against this Packers defense because their linebackers are really slow, especially running the width of the field. And, and if there is one area he can exploit with his arm, I would expect it to be that. Matt, when we last talked to you, it had to be before the season, right? And mm-hmm. there was a lot of intrigue about the Packers, right? They had just drafted a quarterback. Um, they had so many holes but didn't seem to want to help Aaron Rodgers. And yet, here we are on November 27th, the day after Thanksgiving, and he is an MVP candidate. That relationship, that partnership with Matt LaFleur seems to be working maybe better than ever. Take us inside, like, how that narrative changed. Is it just Aaron Rodgers? What's going on there? Yeah, I think that narrative naturally came about, um, A, because of that Bleacher Report story about how the the last tenure or or last couple months with Mike McCarthy ended. But 
you know, I've listened to pretty much every single word and sentence Rogers and LaFleur have said about each other since they started working together. And they've always got along. It, it, last year, the main hiccup was because LaFleur's uh, offense has such wordy play calls, the Packers would sometimes have to take timeouts late in the play clock or even burn time or, you know, even take delay of games, I should say. And that play calling communication, however cliche that sounds, was really kind of holding this Packers offense back because you guys know Aaron Rodgers loves to, you know, survey the line of scrimmage and, and make checks and go to his can plays and do his own thing, regardless of what play's called. And he couldn't really do that last year because of how long it took the play to get in. Year two, everyone says, oh, year two in an offense, year two in an offense. But the, the tangible difference there is he knows all these play calls. And, you know, LaFleur can shorten them up, and Rodgers still knows the play that's being called just because he's already had a year in the offense. So that's what's allowed the offense to operate smoother, allow Rodgers to make changes at the line of scrimmage, which he's one of the best, you know, in the league or of all time at doing. Um, and for everyone who said, you know, Rodgers had an okay year last year, I mean, look at what he's doing with Devontae Adams and, and a host of others. Alan Lazard and MVS have only been on the field together for two games this season. Uh, Robert Tunyon's been decent at tight end. His running backs have been in and out. But his accuracy, his mobility, his ability to you know, dissect the defense when he's given time and he's not under incessant pressure is second to none, and that really hasn't changed this year. And, and in that second year with the floor, um, I don't want to say they're like, best friends because, you know, there's still that coach quarterback dynamic, but they get along so well. They are like friends. And just that second year in the offense has really taken things to another level. What do you think about his MVP candidacy? Yeah, I think he's probably third right now behind uh, Mahomes. Yeah, I would even put him above Russ because Russ turns the ball over uh, twice as much this year as Rodgers has. And their teams have the same records. Granted, Russ probably has to do more to compensate for his defense, but I would say Mahomes is a clear and away favorite. Um, I think you could even put Big Ben up there. Got to respect anyone who's on a ten and O team, and even though that defense is one of the best in the league, you know that that thing doesn't get to ten and O without Ben. So I would say Rodgers is probably third right now. Could improve his standing um, if the Packers do what they did last year and win their final six. What's it been like covering Aaron Rodgers this year? I don't know if it's just these. Uh. The, these Zoom calls that are making it easier to go viral than... Because you guys usually talk to them in the locker room, if I remember right, which is a little bit of a different mm-hmm. dynamic than even an in-person press conference. But uh, it's been kind of fun following his weekly chats with you guys, and then he goes on the Pat McAfee show every week, and he gets like really real, and he's calling out reporters' questions and things like that, but still in a... I don't know, seemingly respectful way. I, what's it, what's this been like this year? It, it's, you know, this is only my second year covering him, but talking to guys like Rob Domovsky and Jason Wildey and, and these guys who have covered him his entire career, this is, I don't want to say the best mood, but this is the best he's been in pressers because, you know, reading between the lines, he didn't say this, this is me saying this, but he knows his, his time's running out here. So he's kind of in a I don't give a crap mode you know, I'm going to go and show out why I'm still the most dangerous quarterback in the league. And I don't care what anyone thinks about what I say, whether it's, you know, how great he's been on the McAfee show. And and I love watching that every Tuesday. And with us, he doesn't care who he's taking shots at. He's taking shots at his own general manager a couple times. He's taking shots at reporters. He's taking shots at, at former teammates. I mean, 
Loose Rodgers is good because you get so many QBs in the NFL today. And this was my case when I covered Derek Carr in Oakland for a couple of years. He, Derek would come out and say, I'm PC. You're, you're never going to get anything but PC from me. Aaron Rodgers is the opposite because he's been in this league long enough where nothing he says can kind of blackball him from any team or diminish his standing in the league. Um, he's been awesome. And, you know, he, he, there was one thing the other day where a reporter's question wasn't exactly clear. And Rodgers said, so what's the question there? Because j- just let me know the question because I'll give you a great answer. And Rodgers' thing is always, he's always really respectful and insightful. Like no matter how bad the question, and I'm sure I've had some of them, his answers are like a, a class. Like he's teaching you something every time. And add that in, add that insight in with kind of the, the dark humor and the shots at people he's taken. It's, it's been really fun every Wednesday as we go along this season where, where he knows his time's ticking down. Now, what I see most is, are like those viral clips where he sneaks in like, hey, you know, maybe you should hold on to a guy like me or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you know, making points about his longevity and how well he's playing. And, you know, maybe I'm not exactly done yet. I, I enjoy those messages. I, I know Bears fans were kind of celebrating before the season. Oh, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers could be done. But here he is, you know, consistently inserting like messages like that, like I'm not done. Well, that, that, was, uh, that, that was a good point you brought up there, Adam, because uh, the best part of his press conferences this year was a couple weeks ago, like you mentioned, when we asked him about offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, who doesn't really get that much shine because he doesn't call the plays, but you know he's a guy who's been coaching with Doug Marone, under Doug Marone for the last 10 years, and here he is under Matt LaFleur. He's kind of the, the brains and the energy behind this Packers offense behind the scenes, and Rodgers was asked about Nathaniel Hackett, who he loves. Because there was a, a, a CBS report, I think, that Hackett's in consideration for the Falcons' head coaching job. And, and the end to Roger's answer was, um, I hope Hackett doesn't go anywhere. And then he paused for probably like a second and a half. Then he said, unless I do. And then just a huge, yeah. huge grin on his face. He knows what he's doing. He knows for as much crap as he gives people for clickbait and everything. He's trying to bait people into doing it. And honestly, an athlete, let alone a franchise quarterback is one of the best to ever do it um being so in tune with with what happens in the media and poking fun at it it, it's refreshing because so often you get robotic answers and someone who likes to play along like that you know makes our job easier especially when it's over zoom and then he goes out on sundays and just balls out so it's (laughs) no it's been i mean the guy's the guy's awesome he i i've always loved watching him play but now he's just doing the stuff during the week and then backing it up on the field on Sundays. It's, it's, it's fun. Um, quickly, the Bears obviously have some key guys who uh, their status is a little unclear going into this game. What's the Packers situation? And then we always ask our guests uh, for a pick and what you think is going to happen in this game. Yeah, so a couple uh, injuries to keep an eye on. I'll touch on that first. Devontae Adams didn't practice yesterday, but he didn't practice last Thursday either. Still played against the Colts, had uh, a touchdown and over 100 receiving yards. So he's going to play. Corey Lindsley, their their standout center, he missed the second half last week with a back injury. He's going to play. He's been limited in practice this week. The one I would keep an eye on is is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He seemed to tweak his Achilles in practice yesterday. Uh, A local TV guy, John Duran from, from Fox 11 here in Green Bay, Got to give him credit because he captured the exact play where it happened in practice. MVS is running a route on air and he kind of pulls up and starts limping. And, you know, he appeared out of nowhere on the injury report with an Achilles yesterday. So 
Um, if we're looking for a bounce-back game from him after what happened in overtime last Sunday, might have to pump the brakes on that. We'll see if he's out there today. Uh, they practice in about 25 minutes. But um, I go Packers 28, Bears 21. I think this offense is going to face one of its toughest tests yet with the Bears defense. But with Devontae Adams, uh, with Alan Lazard full go for the first time since week three, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are healthy. I see the Packers just having a little too much firepower to overcome that pass rush, no matter you know how many pressures Khalil Mack gets on David Bakhtiari. Uh, and the Bears, you know, they're going to score. Even however bad the Bears' offense has been, the Packers' offense always makes teams look better. So I, I don't see a blowout, never is with these teams. So I'll go 28-21 Green Bay. Let me sneak in one more because, um, look, if Keem Hicks doesn't play, I could see that happening in terms of what you know, the Packers putting up 28 points. But I, I watched uh, both their game against Tampa earlier this season and then against the Colts last week. Those are the two best defenses they faced this season. Bears right up there. But in three of those four halves, the Packers offense didn't look that good. Yeah. So, I mean, is there something to that where, you know, in some of these other games they haven't been playing great defenses – uh, and is that with is that something you guys are looking at this week? Like, okay, wait a minute. I mean, this is the Bears' defense, and is there, is, are there going to be more offensive struggles? No doubt. I think there's definitely a possibility. The only defenses the Packers have struggled against in Matt Lafleur's tenure were the Chargers and 49ers last year, Bosa and Ingram, obviously, in the 49ers D line last year, and then the Buccaneers and Colts in the second half this year. I mean. That Buccaneers defensive line made things impossible. Rodgers was pressured on every snap, and Rodgers can be as good as he wants, but he's not making anything happen if he's under constant pressure. And, you know, the Colts did that in the second half. Packers obviously scored 28 first-half points, so they're capable of, of doing something against a really good defense. But if there is one way I could see the Bears winning this game, and I wouldn't be shocked if they do, is if they can really make Rodgers uncomfortable and, and dominate a Packers offensive line that's been probably the best best pass blocking unit in the league. But yeah, that, that's the formula to, to beat this Packers team is, is really making Rodgers uncomfortable and not giving him any time to find his guys. Awesome. Great stuff, Matt. We appreciate it. Um, usually we'd say see you at Lambeau, but <laughs> that's not going to be the case this time. Uh, but hey, it's still Bears Packers. We appreciate the insight. Appreciate you guys. Thanks as always. Thanks, Matt. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, John Z, let's get into this game. Bears, Packers, three big questions, which you came up with, so I'll let you lead the way. All right, my friend, number one, what would you set the over-under at for Mitch Trubisky's total yardage? That's passing 
and running because that's supposed to be the difference, right? Between him and Nick Foles using his yeah. legs. Sure. Total yardage over and under. What do you got? Uh, 41. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> if that happens, woo. Just kidding. Uh, I mean, is 200 fair? Got to keep in mind that this offense hasn't been moving the ball. Yeah. And they still got that offensive line in front of them. So I don't, we got to keep expectations somewhat realistic here. 200. Ooh. See, I would say 250. Okay. I think he's going to have that, you know, leave it all out there approach, even with the the shoulder. You know, I don't think that's going to scare him off like maybe it did last year in terms of running. Let's see, looking at the stats, he had 242 passing yards against the Lions in week one, 190 against the Giants. So, yeah, the the yardage through the air could be, yeah, it is what it is, right? I mean, didn't improve with Nick Foles either. So, I'll, I'll say this, 235, that's what I would set it at. Okay. No? Okay. Uh, I'll take the under still. All right. Yeah. All right, number two. What would you set the over-under at on Aaron Rodgers' total touchdowns against the Bears this week? Um, two and a half. Anything on the ground or both through the air? All through the air. Well, you said just touchdowns, so I guess they could be either. Yeah. Um, I'd say two and a half. Two and a half. If Akeem Hicks plays, I'm taking the under. If he doesn't play, I'm taking the over. How about that? Yeah. You're you're very big on the Akeem Hicks is the best player on the Bears right now, aren't you? I, I, I think it's a completely different defense when he's not out there. We saw that. I mean, we, we, we saw that last year play out. Um, And it's a very interesting thing because obviously Khalil Mack is really, really good. But... Remember when he missed time in 2018 when Khalil Mack did? Yeah. I mean, it didn't the, the Bears still won those games and the defense played well. I just I think removing a piece that's so important on the interior of that line really kills you, especially when Eddie Goldman's not out there. So Aaron Rodgers' worst game this season was against the Buccaneers. We had a 35.4 pass rating. He had zero touchdown passes. That game. Since then, he's had four, three, four, two, three. So if we're setting the over-under on total touchdowns at two and a half, I'm going over in this one. Um, even with Hicks, I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like a Sunday night game, as well as the offense, may surprise. Like I think they may be surprising, at least in the first half. Um, we'll see what happens in the third quarter. Um, the Packers are the Packers. Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers. And... This defense has been very leaky. It has been. It has been. On the other side, though, I mean, the Bears have had... The Bears have done a pretty good job against the Packers with this defense. Um, you know, they, they. the problem is they haven't been able to score enough points to win. Yeah. But, I, I mean, this isn't... Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers knows when he faces the Bears it's going to be a little bit of a different game. So. Question number three. Who has more at stake in this game Sunday night? Mitch Trubisky or Matt Nagy? I'm going to say Matt Nagy. I think Mitch Trubisky's fate 
is pretty much sealed at this point. Um, I'm not saying he can't help himself a little bit if he plays well, finishes the season strong. If that if he ends up playing, you know, more than just this game, but I don't think he can do enough that all of a sudden he's going to land some major contract in the offseason. I think no matter what happens here, he is most likely getting signed by a team to compete for a job, maybe get a chance to compete for a starting job. More likely, he it's probably like Blake Bortles, where he's just sort of like going to be the backup and have to earn it uh, back up. So I, I, I think there's way more at stake for Matt Nagy when you consider it's the Packers. Uh, you lose, you lose another game to the Packers. You fall to one and four against Green Bay. Your only win came when, remember, Joe Philbin was coaching that team. That game, the Bears beat the Packers a couple years ago. Like they had already fired their coach. Their season was dead. That's when you beat Green Bay. And this is a five-game losing streak. Then, if you lose this, I, I just I, I don't think that's trending in a good direction for the head coach. If you lose this game, so I say one hundred percent, Matt Nagy. And I one hundred percent agree with you. Like Mitch Trubisky is going to get another chance. It may not be as a starter, but when you got that natural talent, and you know the te- teams always need a quarterback, even if it's a second or third guy. Quarterbacks more often than not get those second opportunities, third opportunities in the NFL. They just do. I mean, Chase Daniel still in the league. Like, there's there's going to be opportunities for a Mitchell Trubisky somewhere. For Matt yeah. Nagy, go ahead. No, and just even in an optimistic view too. Like, let's say Mitch balls out Sunday night. That's good for him, but it's also really good for Matt Nagy. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. So, like, I still think no matter how, whatever we're talking about on Sunday's post game sh- podcast. It's it's going to be a bigger deal for the head coach. Right. I, I, here's a way to put it. Matt Nagy needs Mitch Trubisky more than Mitch Trubisky needs Matt Nagy right now. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like he, There are so many questions about what Nagy is doing offensively. Like Nick Foles was supposed to be the answer to all of that. And he's just been another problem. Worse than Trubisky. So it's Nagy's offense. It's Nagy's coaching. His offensive philosophies that are taking the most heat and should right now. And Trubisky could help him save face a bit. I think it's an interesting dynamic. Like the, the most interesting dynamic in this game right now is who who has more at stake in this game. Yeah. Uh, that was a really good question. I like that question. It was good. Uh, all right. Well, I think it's that time. Bold predictions. You want me to go first? Sure. Who? It's hard to get bold with this team, isn't I'm it? I'm gonna get bold. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to. S- def- okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna say that the Bears score two rushing touchdowns in this game. Is that might be all they get. Is one from Mitch? Yes, that's where I'm going. I think the only way that's possible is if one is from Mitch. Don't they only have two rushing touchdowns the whole season? Isn't yes. that the stat? Yes. I think it is. Yes. yes, it is. So this is pretty damn bold. But I'm going to go with it. <laughs> the Bears rushing totals just they're, they, 
they're so horrendous. They just kind of just blow your mind a bit. Like it's it's just baffling. <laughs> it, it shouldn't be possible. They're so bad. I know. Like the Jets. The Jets are an awful, like god awful dumpster fire football team, and they have five rushing touchdowns compared to the Bears two. It's crazy. crazy. And the running the running back is like seventy years old. Yeah, Frank Gore. <laughs> Oh, it's all bad. It's all problem, as John Fox, our friend, would say. Um, my bold prediction: I, I want to say Trubisky's going to have a, like a surprisingly decent day. I don't want to get too carried away, so I, I think he goes over that 235 over under that we set, and he has like one touchdown. Like I think he plays well, but it's still not well enough for them to win. I'll get to my pick in a, in a little bit. So I'm going to say he has like a passer rating over. It hovers around 95, accounts for a couple touchdowns, and we'll see what the final score is. But like, I think it's bold that Trubisky will have a good day coming off an injury, especially what, what history says about those games for him. Okay. So just a good day for Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> That's your bold prediction. Mitch Trubisky plays well. I think a lot of people will be surprised by that. I'll take it. I'll, okay. Yeah, I'll sure. Predictions. 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 Uh, look, and you heard it a little bit when we talked to Matt Schneiman earlier. Like he said, he wouldn't be terribly surprised if the Bears win. Um, I think there are reasons to to believe this will be a better game. That the Bears' offense won't look completely inept. That this the Bears will have a chance in the fourth quarter. I think coming off the bye helps. Uh, I think switching quarterbacks helps. I think they're going to be healthier up front. Although, you know, there's obviously some question marks there. I still just, I don't know how you could pick the Bears to win. Mm-hmm. Unless you're just totally going, like, gut feel, Josh McCown in Green Bay. Like, I don't know. Shea McClellan breaks Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. Oh, the good old Shea McClellan game. Glad you brought that up. You know, unless your prediction is just like something weird like that's going to happen and the Bears. It's possible. If the Bears win, I will not be shocked. I can't pick them, though. I just don't think there's much logic in doing so. Um, I do think the Bears are in the game. I think the defense does a decent enough job against this Packers offense, but uh, I'm going to say... 24-17, 24-17, ultimately the Packers win. So I got 24-23, which obviously covers the 8.5 that the uh, the Packers are favored. Um, you know, 24-23 is our man, the fish man, Kevin Fishbane, reminded me. That was the Matt Nagy debut final score, where Aaron Rodgers came back and played God for a little bit. <laughs> Remember that game? Oh, yeah. Carted off. Khalil Mack goes wild. Aaron Rodgers comes back. I don't know if it's God or just really, really strong medicine, but he came back. Something got him yes, to come yes, back. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, he came back and he played really well. Um, the Bears are going to hang tight. Again, I think Trubisky will play okay. The Bears' defense is is one of the better ones the Packers have faced. Uh, the Packers' defense is not good. So it's a tight game, and in most cases, in tight games, you go with the better quarterback. It's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> 24-23 Packers. So both have the Bears losing, but covering. But covering. That that eight and a half 
for a rivalry game. I mean, I get it why it is where it is. The Bears offense can't do anything. And they're playing a good team that can score. So I get where I I understand why it is eight and a half, but uh rivalry game coming off the bye. I think that I think the Bears would be a good play to cover this week. That's not cliche talk, that's real talk. All right. Also in the division, after the disaster that the Lions had yesterday on Thanksgiving. Uh, almost surprised that Matt Patricia has not been fired at the timing of this recording right well, now. Well, we still got about 15 minutes. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, the Vikings back in action after their terrible loss to the Cowboys. You saw what the Cowboys did against Washington yesterday. That was a that was a bad loss for Minnesota last week. So they come back. They're at home. They're favored by three and a half against the Carolina Panthers, who are going to get Teddy Bridgewater back, but still do not have Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to go Panthers, winning outright. I don't okay. know why. You know, I like what they did last week with PJ Walker as their quarterback. Um, that was against the Lions, right? Twenty nothing win over the well. The Lions are a dumpster fire again. Go figure. But I don't know. Something's just felt off uh, about the Vikings. I know that they've had a couple good games as of late. One of them was against the Bears, but things have been off for the Bears for a while. Maybe this skid continues a little bit for the Vikings, this little bit of a roller coaster of a season that they've had. So give me the Panthers winning outright. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. This is a almost a confusing spread when you consider what happened last week. Uh, the Panthers shut out Detroit. The Vikings lost to the Cowboys. The Panthers have been playing teams tough all season, even when they were losing. So it almost seems like the Panthers should be favored in this game. I'll take them to cover. I think it's a close game. I do think the Vikings play better, but I think the smart play here is to, to have the Panthers covering. I don't know if they win out, though. We don't have turds on this team. That game, by the way, is at noon on Fox. Also noon on Fox. This is a fun one. The Arizona Cardinals go to New England and face the Patriots. The Patriots are a home underdog, one and a half points to the Cardinals. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, that whole deal. So this game is included because if you're a Bears fan who's into playoff hopes, you're rooting for the New England Patriots in this one. You need Cam Newton to have a big day against Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals. I, don't, I think Larry Fitzgerald, he's out for this one, right? He's on the COVID-19 reserve list. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, there's there's a, a – well, the whole season's been fluid in terms of the coronavirus, so um, this game is being impacted by it. Um, give me the the Patriots okay. winning. They're, they're going to win. Bill Belichick – in terms of, like, you know, he, he did he did a good job against Lamar Jackson, didn't do a good enough job against Deshaun Watson. Um, Kyler Murray, I think, in terms of a player, is kind of where he's kind of in, in, in between, right? Like, just, he might be a better passer than Lamar Jackson. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, Patriots winning outright. I like the Cardinals. I think the Patriots are trash. I don't know. Oh. The one game that didn't make sense was when they beat the Ravens a couple weeks ago. But turns out the Ravens might not be so good. Yeah. So I, I think from what we've seen over the course of this season is that the Patriots are not a good team. 
I I think the Cardinals still have some flaws, but I do think they are a good team. Now I haven't checked the weather in this one. That's an interesting dynamic, you know, going to New England and almost December when you're coming from the desert. But uh, that's not enough for me to even things out. I think I think the Cardinals are rightly favored in this game. I think you can make the case that they should be favored by more. Uh, and I'm going to take Kyler Murray and the Cardinals to win and cover that one and a half. So take that and think about that for a little bit. All right, Fox 305. This is an interesting game. 49ers at the Rams. Rams obviously playing great football right now and favored by six and a half, which really not all that surprising against the beat-up 49ers other than the fact that when these two teams played earlier this season in Santa Clara, the 49ers kicked their ass. I mean, they they from start to finish, they were the better team. However, you know, I just mentioned that kind of fluky Patriots-Ravens game. Maybe that game earlier season was fluky because everything we've seen since then actually shows the Rams are a really good team, coached on both, well-coached on both sides of the ball. The 49ers are so banged up. They're having a season from hell coming off their Super Bowl appearance. Um, I'll say this. I still think there's something to what the 49ers did in that game in terms of matchups. Uh, you know, it's a rivalry. These, te- these teams know each other well. So I'm going to take the 49ers to cover that six and a half. That seems like a lot to me, but I do think the Rams win. Yeah, same. Um, what was that, 24-16 49ers in, in week six? Uh, Kyle Shanahan has a great feel for the Rams, and I think the Rams' defense has actually gotten better since then, um, you know, Aaron Donald's going to want some revenge, you know, because there was a lot of criticism of how he played after that game. Remember when, like, when his run defense was a conversation, of, uh, you know, topic of conversation? Um, so give me the 49ers covering, um, but the Rams are the better team here. Um, they've been really impressive uh, the past couple weeks, beating the Seahawks, beating Tom Brady and the Bucks. Um, yeah, Rams win, 49ers cover. I think we got to um, come out hard and stay hard. We haven't heard, yeah, we haven't heard that. I don't think so. No. We haven't heard that in a while. CBS, 325. This is a pretty good game. The late afternoon. It's nice that we're going to be able to watch these games with the night game. The Bears on Sunday night. Uh, Chiefs. At Bucks, I mean Tom Brady. Let's put Tom Brady on TV every week. That's fine. <laughs> He's Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. That's okay. And and the Chiefs are obviously so Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. Sign me up. This should be a great game. Bucks are three and a half point home underdogs, coming off that loss to the Rams. Um, Brady didn't look good in that game. Looking to bounce back. Chiefs defense isn't necessarily lights out. They do have a good pass rush though, so that's something to watch. And three and a half points is uh, quite a bit when you consider the Chiefs almost lost to the Raiders last week again. Yeah, yeah. Raiders played them really well though. I mean, the Raiders yeah. you know handed them their only loss uh, this season. The Buccaneers are kind of tough to figure out. Like common sense tells you that Tom Brady should bounce back. He's, he's Tom Brady. It's, it's what he does. But they're you know I, I know like advanced analysis loves the Bucks on both sides of the ball, but just some games they just seem so off right like oh, bad interceptions by Tom Brady I don't know if it's the receiver or him he doesn't look comfortable in the pocket obviously doesn't want to get hit yeah I don't know um, I'm gonna take the Chiefs in this one um, 
even giving up the points, winning outright. I, I just think like I don't want to say the Buccaneers are are frauds because you know I don't think they are. They'll make the playoffs. The Saints are, are the better team in their division, but they're they're really tough to figure out. Like Tom Brady's numbers, you know, there's a lot of ebbs and flows to them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are one of the flows though came when they uh, crushed Green Bay earlier this season in Tampa. I think that was a 325 game too. I mean, they've struggled in prime time, but I think Tom Brady bounces back. I think the Bucks bounce back. Uh, I actually think they win this game outright, but if you're going to give me a three and a half, I'll take that too. So I, I got the Bucks in, in this one right here. Then we move to Monday night. Actually, my feet are very ticklish. 7-15 Monday Night Football. Unfortunately, you're going to be forced to watch another NFC East team. It's the Philadelphia Eagles host the Seattle Seahawks. Man, Carson Wentz has been awful. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how there's you know, there's talk in Philadelphia about benching him and and whatnot. And you know, how about that's that? such a tricky situation though. You're paying him so much oh, money. Man, you gave up so much draft capital for him. Uh, I, I mean, I guess at some point, guys killing you that much, and you still got a chance to make the playoffs. You you, you might have to make a move, but um, and I'd love to see Jalen Hurts play, but hey, um. So the Eagles are five and a half point, or excuse me, five point dogs here at home. I frankly don't think that's enough. They've been struggling so much. I know the Seahawks defense isn't great, but Doug Peterson's offense looks like a mess. Just like the Matt Nagy's offense looks like a mess. Yeah, I'll take the Seahawks. Um, so this game's included again because of playoff implications with the Bears and the Seahawks. Are you know they they started off five and zero. Oh. They're now. They're on their own little skit here too. I, I know they just beat the Cardinals, but um, I mean they're two and three or right in their in their last yeah. five games or something like that. The, that defense is a problem. Russell Wilson, as Matt Schneiderman said earlier, is turning the ball over a little bit more than than he's than he usually does. Um, I don't know. Like part of me, I'm, I'm gonna take the Eagles in this just because I feel like something wacky is gonna happen in this game. You know, it's gonna be like a four hour long game because of the Seahawks and. You know, the, the Carson Wentz will have like some amazing plays. You know, g- give me the Eagles covering. Seahawks will win, but I just feel like it's going to be one of those weird, long, wacky Seahawks-like games. All right. I'll tell you what, if it's close, I could almost see the Seahawks then losing it. Yeah. Because uh, they haven't been great in games that, you know, it's been tight. They They kind of need to get out to a lead and... And then they just keep rolling because they have that capability to do so on offense with Russell Wilson. But hey, look, um, you know these NFC West teams are going to beat each other up a little bit. There's going to be some losses in there because they're going to they play each other. So anytime you got a game like the Cardinals going to New England or the Seahawks going to Philadelphia, those are games that if they drop those, those are big for the Bears because that's that's what keeps the Bears in it. Um, in, the also, in the hunt. In the hunt. Also keeping the Bears in the hunt might be coronavirus. Because uh, this situation with the Ravens is really messy. Already, The game's already moved to Sunday. They, they're supposed to play again Thursday. That doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Whatever happens with this game. And you start to have games get canceled. That's where that 16-team playoff starts to come in. If you have games... If teams have played an uneven amount of games and 
meaningful pl- games with playoff implications are getting canceled. That's where all of a sudden you have that eighth playoff seat available. And when you look at the standings, that kind of looks like where the Bears are going to end up. They're in. They're in. They'd well, be in. we'll see. It's an interesting situation because I don't think the NFL wants to see games get canceled, but getting an extra playoff game out of it, though. They've given themselves the perfect contingency plan, right? Let's let's be honest. It, yeah. it, it really is. You know, No one likes seeing the players lose money because that's what happens if games can't be played, right? The team mm-hmm. that's responsible for the forfeiture and the team that they're playing, those players don't get paid, which is outrageous to begin with but like that's a different conversation about the players union but um yeah the bears would be in how about that watch them go like seven and nine like an ugly seven and nine and (laughs) and then you're in baby get in because of the pandemic yeah oh and then have to go to new orleans and lose by 20 yeah hey still a playoff game uh all right good stuff bears packers sunday night football I feel bad. If the Bears come out and look awful again offensively, I feel bad for the country having to watch another primetime game with the Bears. But I think, as I said in my prediction, I think there's a better chance this is actually a more competitive, entertaining game between two rivals. And like it or not, Bears-Packers always rates well, which is why it's still on Sunday Night Football. I know some people wanted this game flexed. It wasn't going to happen. And uh, people will watch. People will cry, and Packer fans will probably be happy. But hey, if it's bad, just finish putting up your Christmas decorations. It's okay. Yes. Which I actually need to do pretty much right now. So I think I'm going to go do that. Uh, hopefully, everybody had a great Thanksgiving. However, you were able to celebrate it. Hopefully, you saw your family uh, even virtually. Uh, I know I did, and you know I just choose to look at the positives with these situations. Yes, it all sucks, but. It's a new opportunity for something, and um, I don't know. Thanksgiving. I still had a good Thanksgiving. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. I did. It's good to be home for it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I've been thinking about that with Christmas coming up. We never have Christmas at home, ever. I'm always going to Minnesota somewhere. It's a. It'll be kind of fun to actually put presents under my own Christmas tree for once, or let Santa do it. Right, Santa. Gets, we, we got young listeners. Adam, Santa is real. Everybody. Well, Santa's coming to town. He's going to be coming to my tree this time. I'm excited, and I know James is excited, and the kids should be excited. Uh, hopefully, everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving. Enjoy the football. There's plenty of it on. Enjoy the game Sunday night. It'll be interesting. We'll talk to you afterwards. Bears, Packers. Talk to you then. See ya. Y'all stay Corona free. I. Right? And God bless.